Pop Culture Affidavit, Episode 1, Geek Yourself 2012. Some nights I stay up cashing in my bad luck. Some nights I call it a draw. Some nights I wish that my lips could build a castle. Some nights I wish they just fall off. But I still wake up, I still see a ghost, oh Lord, I'm still not sure what I stand for, oh, what do I stand for, what do I stand for, most nights I don't know anymore. Hello and welcome to the very first Pop Culture Affidavit Podcast. My name is Tom Panneries and I am your host for, well, I'm not exactly sure what this is all going to be. See, for the past couple of years I've been writing my blog, Pop Culture Affidavit, and I've more or less kept to the same format. That is, I take a look at something completely random in pop culture. Very often it's something obscure that only I seem to like for whatever reason, and, and I, I write about it. Uh, sometimes I write what amounts to a review, other times I get pretty personal, because what I really like to do is look into what I remember about, you know, a movie, or a piece of music, or a television show, or a comic book, or something, or in some cases, uh, what makes, it, what it makes me think about. Um, because, you know, we all have those associations, that a song reminds you of a person, or, or a movie reminds you of the time you went and to, to see it, or... You know, for instance, I wrote about my prom song once. You know, those sorts of things. And it's this way for uh, me to combine my love of, of the personal essay, which I think I'm one of the few people who loves the personal essay. Uh, and and uh, I've been writing them for, for years. Um, and by extension, blogging, because it's kind of how I have my output these days, uh, with my love of pop culture. Because if you haven't been on the blog, which you can find at popcultureaffidavit.com, you should know that well, I'm a dork, a huge dork, and, and I treat Pop Culture Affidavit as my place to revel in that dorkiness. Recently, though, I actually did start another podcast. It's called Taking Flight, and it discuss, discusses the adventures of Batman sidekick Robin throughout much of that character's history. Uh, it spun out of a regular feature of mine on Pop Culture Affidavit called My Life as a Teen Titan, where I started covering Teen Titans, New Titans comics from New Titans number 71, which came out in 1990, and I'm chronicling my history as a fan and collector of those comics. Well, I'm at a point that specifically addresses that character of, of Robin, Nightwing, uh, and I thought, well, I've always wanted to do a podcast, so I went ahead and did it. I had so much fun doing it that I decided to go ahead and carry out the plan that I had f- for for this, uh, which is to get another podcast going. <laughs> and uh, what I'm going to do here is uh, with this podcast is just about once a month, um, I'm going to do what I do on the blog, but in an audio format. In other words, I'll pick something random and spend some time talking about it. I'll still post my weekly entry to the blog, but I think what I want to do here is talk about stuff that I consider special or more substantial, uh, something that really needs an ear rather than an eye, if that makes sense. And hey, if this takes off, maybe I'll get a couple of guests on, um, you know, have some roundtable discussions. I don't know. I have a lot of plans written down for it, uh, but I want to see, you know, if I can do this consistently first. 
Um, I think going monthly, by the way, is is going to help me at first because uh, time is an issue with me. I don't have a lot of time for podcasting or recording, and hopefully that will allow me to record and edit and do something that that really has a lot of quality to it um, rather than rambling on about nothing in particular, which is kind of what I'm doing here. In case you're curious about what's been going on in the blog lately... Uh, here's what I posted since the beginning of August. I took a look at the 1987 Kevin Bacon movie, Whitewater Summer. I analyzed the symbolism of a 1980s Juicy Fruit commercial, recapped an episode of Degrassi Junior High, looked at a Brian Azzarello story from the 9-11 tribute comic, and as I mentioned, launched Taking Flight. If you'd like to read any of those, you can go to popcultureaffidavit.com. I love feedback, I love uh, comments, and uh, I love when people when people read this stuff. Now, on to what I did want to talk about in my very first episode. Because like I said, um, and like I was saying, you know, I'm a big dork. and uh, But at the same time, I can't really consider myself an authority on anything. Uh, which is something that I learned that's kind of like where I am in the pantheon of nerd as it is. And I learned it pretty early in life. Um, I've never been connected to very much. You know, growing up, I didn't have cable. I didn't have an older brother or sister to open my mind to stuff that was, you know, out there and way beyond my age bracket. And so I've never been on trend. I've never been cool um, in any sort of sense of the word. But I think over the years, I've come to accept that. And I've kind of enjoyed it on some level, or at least, you know, come to accept the fact that you can't really follow everything at once anyway. So don't kill yourself trying to do it. At the same time, I do have to say I do get to feel inadequate sometimes, especially when I'm listening to all these pop culture-oriented podcasts that I follow, mostly comic books, but you know a couple other ones here and there. Uh, the guys I listen to aren't the types to look down upon anyone who hasn't seen or isn't up to date on any on everything, but still, shit like this it has a ways of bringing old neuroses to the surface. Because when I was in high school, I remember. I did get teased a lot by a couple of people because I wasn't like liking the right music at the time or wasn't up to date on everything that was going on with every band or every sports team. And you know, it you do you do develop a little bit of a complex if, if for for a few years of that, although being 35 now, I can turn to myself for 20 years ago and say, uh, why do you even care about that? But I had shit self-esteem at 15 and so I just kind of, you know, all right, let's just start new. Because in all honesty, like, who really gives a crap if I didn't see Iron Man 2 in theaters? I don't think there's a rule that says I have to see it when it comes out and I won't be allowed to watch it a few years down the road. I mean, if there is, please email me, popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. Let me know. Anyway. Back in March, though, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how much I'd been missing out on, how much I hadn't seen, how much I hadn't listened to. And so I sat down and I made a list of specifically that. You know, what have I missed out on? What have I gotten around to? What do I want to see or do? Uh, not by, not to my surprise, to know my list got really long really quick and included uh, quite a few things. Uh, finishing up the last season of Smallville, finally getting around to reading all of Blackest Night, watching all the Avengers-related Marvel movies, even attending a comic book convention. I had a lot of ground to cover, and while I still haven't covered all of it, I have to say that, well, I definitely caught on uh, up on quite a bit, and anyway, I'm still going. 
Uh, originally, I was going to do like a whole series of blog posts on this, almost like a project. And in fact, I called it Geek Yourself 2012, you know, because I'm a dork and I thought that was cool. And it's not. And the, the post fell by the wayside because I started writing them and I wasn't really interested in writing them, but I was enjoying what I was watching. As does happen. Um, and then I got other topics that I wanted to write about, but I was like, well, let me just save it for the podcast. And, and so out of that came this, which hopefully you're, you're, enjoy, you'll, you're enjoying and you'll want to come back for. Um, so I thought I'd go over what I did this summer. You know, that old essay that we all had to write in like the seventh grade, how I spent my summer vacation, and, and update it somewhere down the road, maybe. I'll start with the one movie I was more psyched to see than anything else, which was Prometheus. I wrote about this way back in June, right around the time the film came out, but I'll say it here again. I'm a huge fan of the Alien franchise. I saw Aliens when I was about 10 years old. Also saw Alien after that. They were two of my favorite movies uh, for for years afterwards. Uh, Dark Horse's Aliens series was the first independent comic series that I ever got my hands on. Um, So the idea that Ridley Scott, who directed Alien, was going back to that universe... You know, it had me really, really psyched. I, I love the ad campaign that came with it. I thought it was a stroke of genius to craft it around Wayland Industries and, and uh, Guy Pierce. And the movie, in my opinion, did not disappoint. Uh, I think that one of the reasons I loved it so much is that I went into expecting it to both give a little backstory to the Alien universe, but probably also raise some questions. Uh, I'm not one of those people who needs a main character to stand up and spend 20 minutes giving me a PowerPoint about what's going on. Um, I like being challenged. I like to have to figure things out, uh, for the most part. You know, I mean, I have my limits, Grant Morrison. But I felt Prometheus really, really towed the line between showing us a lot and and making us question some more. In fact, um, a couple weeks ago, I was just talking to my brother-in-law about it, and we both felt that the, the, the squid at the end was actually really, really well done. But the alien... Uh, really cool, but did kind of skirt that line between uh, awesome and schlocky scene to set up a sequel. So I'll be curious to see what comes out of all of that. I do remember, though, going to the theater entirely by myself to see it. It was the first week or so after it came out. Uh, I was finally off from work because the school year was over, and I think that one of the first priorities of my summer was to see that movie. Uh, I even stuck around to the end credits, and while I thought that the whole what10112.com website was uh, interesting, I had to laugh because I think I was expecting a scene or something. Um, the guy next to me was was probably thinking that too, and he actually laughed when I said to him, uh, I don't know, maybe we were expecting to see Sigourney Weaver come out or something. You know, like, yeah... Um, anyway, a great film, and I had a great June overall, because before Prometheus, I got a chance to go back over Alien and Aliens, as well as the first three Dark Horse series, a story I was reading in full for the very first time, since I hadn't been able to get my hands on Aliens Book 2 in its original form, and, and got the trade on eBay. It's it's always been a bone of contention of mine, just a, something that really has annoyed me, that Dark Horse decided to change uh, everything around in that little universe they created because it didn't line up with Alien 3 because in Alien 3 they kill off Newt and Hicks and I just the stories with the names changed just didn't seem to work for me. Anyway, that wasn't the only thing I saw this June uh, because while it took me the better part of a month and a half and a lengthy power outage, I did get to go see The Avengers. Uh, this was a movie that I actually, to be honest, didn't really care too much about when it was announced. Um, 
I think it's because I'm more of a DC fan than I'm a Marvel fan. I mean, I like Spider-Man. I tried reading the X-Men 20 years ago. Mm, didn't really catch. But for the most part, ever since I was a kid, I've always read Batman, Superman, the Titans, Justice League. So the fact that I missed out on most of the Marvel flicks wasn't that big of a deal. Until the Avengers started making a ton of money and people who I know weren't the biggest comic fans were raving about it. So I started with that unwatched copy of Iron Man that my wife had given me as a present a few years ago. I wound my way through Iron Man 2, The Incredible Hulk, Thor, Captain America, The First Avenger, before I finally got around to seeing the Avengers in a movie theater. Uh, This came around, by the way, completely by accident. At the very end of June, most of Virginia was hit by a... I'm going to get the pronunciation of this wrong. Derecho? Uh, which you're unfamiliar with the weather term. It's a line of storms that is incredibly fast-moving, and it's an incredibly severe band of thunderstorms. Um, I live in central Virginia in Charlottesville, so we got the storm, although on the Friday night the storm hit. I was actually up in my in northern Virginia at my in-laws, and they got hit, and that got hit pretty badly. Uh, the storms were in the forecast for the most part, and considering that was something like 104 degrees that day for a high, the severity of the storm made complete sense. But, jeez... We're sitting in the middle of my in-laws' living room, and we're just listening to, like, all hell breaking loose outside. It was, like, 11 o'clock, and then the power went out. So it was just like, oh, you know, shit is, like, the first thing you think when that happens. My five-year-old son, by the way, slept through the whole thing. Anyway, aside from the power being out, no damage was really done to their house. Uh, And uh, on Saturday afternoon, we headed back to our house because we were afraid it wasn't there anymore um, because our answer machine didn't pick up. I know that sounds stupid, right? But I hope I'm not the only person who does that when he's away, you know, calls and check the messages and assume that because the machine picks up that everything is okay. Never mind that my machine could be like the black box in an airplane. I mean, in my mind, it picks up a peace of mind. Um, so it didn't pick up. And I think both my wife and I kind of figured that the power just went out. I mean, the power was out like all throughout the state. But we decided to head down and see what we could do or see what we had to do. It took something on the order of two and a half hours to get there. This is a trip that's normally like an hour and a half. I just remember, like, my in-laws live right off my I-95, and that highway was, it was just a parking lot, so we took an alternate route down Route 1, and even that was backed up. And we finally got back to the house. We discovered everything was indeed okay, even though the power was out, mostly to a tree that had fallen on some power lines around the block. But, you know, we sprung into action... Uh, grabbed the ice that was in the freezer, threw it in a cooler, put everything perishable in there, and by the time we hit Saturday night, we were stocked up with dry goods from Target. All honesty, man, though, if we could have lived in Target that night, I think we would have. It was one of the few places with air conditioning, and that night sucked. Um, I think I slept all of two hours and woke up in a pool of my own sweat. Uh, At one point, I lay down on our sofa, which is leather, by the way, and when I got up, I heard one of those wonderful peeling sounds because it was just that hot. I was like, well, all I could do is wonder, as I'm trying to get some sleep that night, by the way, how the hell did I grow up without air conditioning? Seriously, how? And by the time Sunday morning rolled around, we had our Pop-Tarts for breakfast. (laughs) We decided that we were going to need to find something uh, to do that we hadn't, you know, that didn't have us out in the heat because it was still was about 100 degrees each day. So we called the local movie theater. We saw there was a showing of the, of the Avengers at noon. Uh, we got lunch at a Greek place near the movie theater, and my sweaty ass trudged up to the ticket booth, which was manned by a former student of mine, and went in. And I seriously can't believe it took the better part of a month and a half to go see this movie. We both absolutely loved it, and even though I watched all the prior Marvel movies and really liked them, I'm kind of glad that we 
didn't really have to watch them in order to get what was going on in the Avengers. In fact, it really did have the feel of an old comic book, where there was an underlying ongoing story, but the main action was so accessible that we weren't constantly wondering what was going on. I mean, I love my comics continuity and all, but I don't think that comics movies need to have 50-year-old minor characters as the center to their main plot because the writer wants to show off how smart he is. So who's playing Snapper Carr in the Justice League movie? The power, by the way, came back on just as we were trying to figure out if we wanted to head back to my parents' house because uh, they had called to say their power was back on. Life gradually returned to normal within a day or two. I have to say, though, I never thought I'd find myself on the phone with the power company so much and checking their website's outage map as if it were the ESPN bottom line. I guess you do what you can to pass the time when you simply want to stop melting into your furniture. Moving on... Uh, I watched X-Men First Class a couple weeks ago, found it was way better than I had thought it would be. Again, it was one of those movies I'd shrugged at and thought, eh, maybe i watch it on video when I got the chance. Heard a couple of uh, podcasters talk about it, and on that recommendation, threw it in the Netflix queue, and when it arrived, let it sit on my TV cabinet for a month. <laughs> Until I was working one night and wanted to watch something for noise. Also, by the way, how I watch Smallville. I've always been a season behind on that show, because when it first came on, I tried to watch it live. I never could have... I just never had the time to sit down and watch it when it was on. Kept forgetting to tape it. So when it started coming out on DVD, I just basically would rent the DVDs as they came out. So I've got Season 10, Disc 5, sitting in my living room. Just came in the mail today. I feel that I'm watching it out of obligation at this point, by the way, uh, because I've come this far and I figure, well, I might as well see it through. I know that the show does catch a lot of shit from fans and is incredibly uneven. I've enjoyed the last couple of seasons, especially the Justice Society episode. I I like the character of Tess Mercer as well. I mean, she's no Lex Luthor, but I found her pretty well-written, and, well, I will admit that Cassidy Freeman isn't hard in the eyes. Uh, Neither is Erica Durant, by the way, who I really do think does a very, very good Lois Lane. I'm in the middle of this dark side storyline, which I hope doesn't have a horrible ending. I I know we get a good uh, shirt rip at the end, Uh, But I'm, at least for now, glad I stuck through with it, uh, because I only have, what, a disc and a half left? Now, if I can only find the motivation to, you know, actually put that disc into my DVD player and watch it. Um, I watched some DC Animated Universe stuff. Uh, That was mostly me working my way through Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, which I watched with my son. Uh, I did also get a chance on my own, though, to watch All-Star Superman and Superman Batman Apocalypse. All around, uh, they were good. I wasn't a big fan, biggest fan of the animation on Superman Batman Apocalypse. Didn't like All-Star Superman that much, but I didn't like that comic book, so I kind of didn't expect to really like it. It wasn't horrible, but I will say, though, I loved the Justice League cartoon. I had caught the occasional episode when it was first run on the Cartoon Network years ago, but never had really watched any the whole thing the whole way through, and it really was a real treat. Um... We've been watching some Superman the Animated Series, uh, some Batman the Animated Series on the Hub, and uh, you know my son really likes it. We've been watching Spectacular Spider-Man DVDs. He really likes those. And I have to say, even though it's been a good decade, even two decades since some of those shows came out, they're still really good. And I will honestly take them over SpongeBob SquarePants or the Fairly Odd Parents every day, any day. Not that those shows are horrible, but uh, eventually you just get sick of the same thing over and over. 
So that's the gist of my viewing. Um, I didn't do a whole lot of big comics reading this summer, for the most part. I continued to read uh, Dark Horse's Star Wars a long time ago, Omnibuses. Um, I continued to visit my local comic shop and pick up what I could do, what I could to fill in some of the holes in my collection, especially where the Teen Titans are concerned. And just uh, have been shuffling around through the New 52 a little bit, trying to find what I like, trying to get rid of what I don't like sooner rather than later, so that I'm not spending the money. And uh, that's pretty much it. But I'm not done. I'm going to go to commercial, play a couple of trailers, or maybe one, maybe two, depending on who sends me what. And I'm going to come back and talk about the highlight of the month of September, the highlight of the end of my summer, and and, and one of the big reasons I wanted to do this as a podcast, because I had so much to talk about, which was the Baltimore Comic Con. So uh, stay tuned. Hello, boys and girls. It's your dear old Uncle Joker. We've got an internet access here in Arkham, so I'm doing a little browsing. Hmm, lolcats, lolcats, porn, lolcats. What's this? Bailey's Batman Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast devoted to everything Dark Knight Detective. Well, Michael Bailey, where's Bailey's Joker podcast, eh? We'll see about that. Harley, get our things. We're going to Georgia. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Michael Bailey here asking you to check out my bi-weekly internet radio show, Bailey's Batman Podcast. Or at least I'm asking you to check it out while you still can until the Joker shows up on my doorstep. Bailey's Batman Podcast is a hodgepodge-type show where I discuss all aspects of the Dark Knight's history. Comics, movies, animation, even trading cards and action figures. Everything Batman-related is fair game. And yes, that does include the villains, which includes the Joker, so he won't kill me. New episodes drop every other Tuesday over at www.baileysbatmanpodcast.com. The site also has links to the iTunes page, the RSS feed, my Twitter handle if you're into the social media thing, and the Bailey's Batman Podcast Facebook page. Bailey's Batman Podcast is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Connection, which you can find at batmanpodcastconnection.wordpress.com. I really hope that's the UPS guy. Why can't I have Batman in my basement? Holy nightmare! So we all know who Robin is, right? Short pants, bad holy insert object gear jokes kind of weird relationship with an older man who dresses like a bat. I know, right? So not what Batman needs. Thing is, if that's your impression of Robin, then you don't know Robin. I'm Tom Panneries, and for most of my comic collecting career, I've been a Teen Titans fan. Moreover, I've been a huge fan of Robin and Nightwing, so I've decided to take a look at those who have worn the costume in a podcast miniseries called Taking Flight. Taking Flight focuses on the life and career of Dick Grayson as he evolved from Boy Wonder to Nightwing. I'll take a look at his origin story, 
his time with the Teen Titans, and his evolution into Nightwing. Along the way, I'll also look at Jason Todd and Tim Drake, stopping right after Zero Hour when Dick left the Titans behind. Episodes will come out just about every week at takingflight.podomatic.com, and you can find show notes at popcultureaffidavit.com. Join me as I take a look at Comic Dumb's most famous sidekick, who is a vital part of Batman's mythos. And we're back! So, Baltimore Comic Con. It's uh, been a couple weeks since I went, and, uh, so I feel like I'm kind of late in turning an assignment here. But I really had a good time. I'm really glad I went, so I want do still want to talk about it, especially since this was pretty much really my first ever con. Um, I mean, it's not entirely true. I've been to a few in my life, but most of them were back. Uh, most of the comic shows I went to uh, were back in the early 1990s and were held at like the local mall or some random place uh you know or or near a comic store uh, or what have you um i did go one to one at the uh nassau mausoleum in about 93 but it was comics and trading shows and trading cards and sports memorabilia i remember like todd mcfarlane was there uh did not get anything signed by anybody that was where i got dc comics presents number 26 for a buck um (laughs) And and a bunch of and, and I got all all of the X Men number ones uh, A through E for a, for a dollar, uh, all five of them for a dollar. So um, anyway, yeah. So that was the last time, with the exception of uh, going to the SPX a couple of times in the early two thousands uh, when it was it was uh, held at like the Holiday Inn up in Bethesda, Maryland. So you could very well say this is <clears throat> my first ever kind of huge comic con. Especially in this age of, of these conventions being so so huge, or at least it's been my first in twenty years. Now I've been wanting to go to the Baltimore Comic Con for a long time. Uh, I remember seeing it first advertised in some trade publication, maybe Wizard, maybe uh, previews or something. Uh, around the first time it was held, it, it was held first in the Sheridan in Towson, Maryland, in like two thousand. And uh, I always made a mental note that I wanted to check it out, but I honestly never got around to going. Uh, it moved to the convention center downtown. And for the past couple of years, because it was the same, always it was always the same day as my like my fantasy football draft or something else was going on or what. So I decided to cap off this summer since I had the weekend free uh, and I've been spending the summer watching movies, reading comics, and, and what have you. I was going to get in the car, drive to Baltimore, go to Comic Con. So I bookmarked the page, liked them on Facebook. The second tickets went out on sale. I snatched one up at a very good price of twenty five bucks. So seriously, it was. You know, really cool. And since I didn't have to pay for a hotel room or anything like that, uh, aside from parking, it was a it was a good deal for me. So I got my ticket, and I had no idea what to do next. I mean, I knew how to get to Baltimore, and even though the city's changed a little since I went to college, I know my way around it, and I know how to use soap. I use deodorant on a regular basis, so I you know I'm I'm have a step above most most comic comic fans. Seriously, though, aside from having a want list of comics, I really had no idea what I was going to be looking for or how to talk to creators or anything like that. So I went to the only place where I knew I could talk to my fellow geeks and get honest advice, which was the Two True Freaks forums. And I have to give out a huge thanks to a few of the the guys on there, Um, users Mercury83 and Russ L, uh, whose names I don't know aside from the, their handles and uh, Scott Gardner 
who uh, all of them gave you some great, great advice, and and Chris Honeywell as well, who suggested that next year if I go, I set myself, I talk to them and try to get myself set up with a press pass as part of, you know, representing them, which is a good idea, and I might take him up on that offer. I actually wanted to record audio at the con, you know, maybe see if I could talk to a creator or two, but I couldn't find a decent recording device that I own a, I own a micro cassette recorder. Uh, and I couldn't find that, <laughs> so maybe one day I'll get a nice MP3 recorder and, and do something if, if this kind of takes off. Anyway, their advice really great. They suggested I make it. I make sure I pack a snack because con food is hella expensive and usually not very good. And uh, they suggested I wear comfortable shoes, kind of dress appropriately for the weather. Again, basic advice that you wouldn't really think of. Um, things like, you know, wear your favorite nerd shirt because it is a comic convention. And again, just like getting that in my head was a really good idea. They also, and most importantly though, advised me to do my homework as to who was going to be there. And even like what the typical prices on some of the issues of my want list were. Like, you know, checking eBay and seeing what they go for. Um, seeing what, you know, what would I be willing to pay for? Titans back issues or an old Batman or something like that, which is again, you wouldn't think that you'd need that advice, but you know, it was great to have them kind of just uh, put it in my head there. Plus, they simply said, don't be afraid to talk to the creators, which you again, you'd think it'd be a no brainer after all, these guys are there to meet and greet you, but I do have a tendency to be a little intimidated by such things as. So getting that little pep talk was a great idea. I cannot say how ridiculous the amount of preparation was that went into this one trip for me. Um, I made arrangements with a couple of my friends from college uh, to meet for lunch at a restaurant at Federal Hill. So I actually planned out what I was going to do at the con by the hour so I could maximize my time there and then go to lunch. And I was going to come back. Uh, I didn't end up coming back. I'll, I'll talk about why in a minute. But I, I, you know, I was only going for the one day. Maybe in the future I will go to Sunday. I'll catch a panel or something. But I was, I was going to go there to shop and go to the, the, to get stuff signed. It was a bit inattentive, <laughs> and uh, I don't think it would have. I would have done it at all had I actually not already gotten inattentive crazy about locating every par- possible location for parking in the immediate vicinity of the convention center. Because if a convention center doesn't have its own parking lot. I managed to find a garage that was 15 bucks flat rate for the day, and I, it was a block away, like not even a block away, like half a block away from the convention center. I mean, I, I, I sound like I'm like triumphing here, and I am, because this will never happen again in my lifetime. This was like, here's the corner of the convention center, here's this parking lot, I took the ticket, I got a space, I walked out, I didn't even have to walk in the street, there was a bridge over the street to it, and I got in line, and when I got back, it was 50, I had saved, you know, I had made sure I had like 25 or 30 bucks in my pocket at, from, from all the money I brought, and it was $15, I was like, oh, so it will never happen again, I savored the moment. Beyond that, beyond looking for parking, I had printed out my list of creators, I pulled all the books I wanted to have them signed, then I looked at that pile that I made and remembered that I've already had hernia surgery once, uh, so I pared it down. (laughs) I shelved most of the books by people who I saw where I was like, well, I have a book with his name on it, you know, people I didn't really know that well, um, or people I thought might be hard to get. 
Uh, and then I kind of listed the books I had left by priority. And thankfully, I managed to get just about everybody on my list. Uh, and I had some really, really good conversations, really good experiences, because I followed a great bit, bit of advice that Scott Gardner gave me, which was to find something that you have that maybe not everyone is having them sign that day. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, Walt Simonson was there, and I'm sure that there were people lined up with a lot of Thor stuff. And I, I'm not a big Thor person, um, you know. And I mean, I had him with the uh, the, the X-Men New Teen Titans uh, crossover comic, and that was the only thing I really brought. But but you know, um, I was trying to, I just trying to find a few rare things, and and I ended up having great stuff for that. Uh, for some of the creators there. I pulled some of the pages they did from the 1990s DC Who's Who Binder series. Uh, and that idea actually came about because Brian Stelfries was on the guest list. And he he drew the Catwoman entry. And uh, maybe I'll put a scan of it on the uh, thing. Um, it's really, really a cool picture. So I grabbed a few others that, that, uh, that some creators had done that I was like, oh yeah, this would be cool for them to sign. And then uh, my wife gave me this book for my birthday. Uh, it's called Leaping Tall Buildings. It's a hardcover book. It's it's just great, great pictures and photographs of uh, various comic creators uh, and profiles. And it's um, everyone from from people like Stan Lee and Neil Adams and Paul Levitz, Dan DiDio, uh to Paul Pope, Jill Thompson. You know, it, uh, it runs the gamut from from the early to the uh, to, to the contemporary. And so I made sure that um, I, I bookmarked, you know, the people who were going to be there who were in that book, and there were a few. So that was pretty cool. And um, I, like I said, I grabbed the comics, and I, I, when I made my little schedule, I made comic signing first. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this first. That is <laughs> after I waited in line, and, I, and I, I, that's one thing I didn't account for in the schedule that I put together. I mean, I knew there'd be a line, <laughs> but... I figured, so yeah, I'll show up early, uh, maybe by 9.15 or 9.30, since the doors opened at 10, so I set my alarm, I put on I, ha- I put on my t-shirt, which was my New Titans 100 promo t-shirt, which is quite possibly the biggest shirt I own. I think the idea was either to represent the Titans and try to be as random as possible, because you know me, random. Next year, though, I think I'm going to try to track down like a Greatest American Hero t-shirt or something something cool like that. Uh, I made really good time to Baltimore, but I didn't get there early enough, apparently, because, like I said, great parking spot. The line stretched out from the front entrance of the convention center around the building to the point where it was like three quarters of the way around. I mean, it was a huge, huge line. It was behind a ton of people. Um, and it was hot already. It was just the sun was directly on us. There was very little shade. We were, and we're all carrying bags of stuff. It was, it was hot. But to the showrunner's credit, uh, their staff were going up and down the line, giving out wristbands to people with tickets so that you didn't have to check your ticket at the gate. You just essentially walked through the front entrance. You showed them your wristband and you went. And it was really, really good because in all honesty, I walked through into the convention hall at 10.15 and the doors had opened in 10. Three quarters of the way around the building. I mean, I have to give them a lot of credit for that. That line moved like really, really fast. And while I was standing in line, that was a great opportunity to check out some of the cosplayers uh, who were there. There was a dark side. There was... There were a couple of Lokis. There were some really cool-looking Jedi. I got pictures of some, didn't get pictures of other. Um, I'll and those will be up on the those will be up on my blog. 
um, the female, the Carol, the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel was a really good costume that I saw. Um, and as I was walking out later in the day, I saw a really cool Guy Gardner, as well as Captain America and a, and a Winter Soldier that, that I snapped some cool pictures, uh, as well as a, a Donna Troy, a couple of Teen Titans, and a scout trooper whose picture I took and some guy photobombed it, and it was, it was awesome. And at least I think it's funny. Anyway... Once I got in, I went right for the signing tables. Uh, my first priority, the person I wanted to sign the most stuff, was Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. His line, however, wound up being very slow because every he was doing just a lot of sketching. And I thought maybe getting one, one buying a sketch um, of his of Wonder Woman to give to my wife, but they were a little out of my price range. But I did want him to sign a bunch of Titans of his the issues he did of the of the new Teen Titans. And I have a Justice League t-shirt that is what I'm pretty sure is his artwork. You know, how he did a lot of that licensing artwork back in the early 80s, uh, late 70s and early 80s. So I wanted to see if he could sign the t-shirt. Unfortunately, um, I didn't want to spend all my time there in line. I was standing there, standing there. I was looking at my watch. I was like, I'm already behind schedule. Uh, So the first time I hopped off, I came back later. It still stood, stood, stood. It wasn't moving. And then uh, the last, the third time I came back, he was going to lunch. So they cleared the line, and he wouldn't be back until, you know, much later. And I was like one thirty. I was like, oh, maybe I'll try later. But I, I, I unfortunately didn't end up getting him. So maybe if he's at another show that I happen to be at, I'll, I'll try for the same thing. Maybe just get a little earlier. I also miss Jim Starlin and uh, Neil Adams. Um, I don't even know if Neil Adams had shown up by then, but Jim Starlin was there. He was kind of last on my list, and I had done a bunch of other creators, and I really wanted to go shopping. So I was like, you know what? Cosmic Odyssey is a great series, but I don't think I'd necessarily have to have him sign it. Stealth Reese, who I wanted to sign the Catwoman print, uh, Catwoman Who's Who was was a no-show. So was Dan DiDio, who I actually had wanted him to sign something. Um, So... But I did get quite a few cool signatures. So who signed uh, what I brought? Well, for starters, Cliff Chang, who is the current Wonder Woman artist, who also really, really makes that book awesome, even when uh, Brian Azzarello's scripts are so-so. I mean, it's a really, really good series. Um, but sometimes it does kind of drag. Um, I, ha- I brought Wonder Woman number one, and I bought from him a great set of postcards. Uh, where, and If you go on his site, you can see them. Um, he put different superheroes and superheroines in the covers of albums or posters from the 80s. Uh, and and the one on the front of the pack was Batgirl in Purple Rain. And he did another one of the Teen Titans, the original Teen Titans, uh, as the Breakfast Club. And I was like, and it, was, it wasn't a very expensive you know, little pack of postcards. I was like, this is really cool. So I, I bought those. And he was, he was very nice. Uh, in fact, the guy in front of me and, and, and I were talking to him, and we talked about how you know, he really, and I think he really has brought a lot of people to Wonder Woman because his artwork is just so good. Because um, I've never not liked Wonder Woman. I've just never followed Wonder Woman. It depended on who was on the book. Mark Wade was there. Um, I brought a few Flash issues, and he actually, he actually did sign that Catwoman Who's Who page because he wrote the copy. And... <laughs> He mentioned how fun those were to write because they were so easy to write. Uh, Kevin McGuire signed a couple of issues of World's Finest, the Justice League trade, and his Team Titans work. Uh, that was kind of funny because I said, you know, sometimes I think I'm the only person who loves the Team Titans, and he just looked at me and said, yeah, I think you're right. In fact, the Titans stuff that I did bring actually got some notice. Uh, Paul Levitz, who was signing 
a couple of issues of World's Finest. Uh, a title, by the way, which is awesome. I really, really enjoy. And and he sounded. He asked me if I'd read issue zero. I said, Yeah, I, I just I've just gotten it that Wednesday, and I read it. The I said I read, read it the other night, and I, I said I really, really enjoyed it. And he sounds like he's really excited to be writing it. And uh, he also signed my trade for the uh, the Great Darkness Saga. Um, and he asked me who was on my shirt, and I told him, you know, the the uh, the, the early '90s uh, Teen Titans from the early '90s. And he, said, he just kind of gave me this. Was like, okay, <laughs> like all right. But he was very nice. He really liked seeing my copy of Leaping Tall Buildings because he's in there. And uh, that book actually also went over well with Walt Simonson because he was like. Uh, he signed my X-Men and Teen Titans, and I said, well, you signed this book. He's page. He said, oh, that's that book. I, you know, I've never seen a copy of this. Um, you know, I'll have to call him and have him get his copy, and he showed it to his wife, and, and they, uh, they flipped through it a little bit, and, and you know, it was, it was kind of cool to see that. Uh, Louise Simonson, by the way, so nice. Um, I had brought three 90s Superman's trades with me. Uh, Panic in the Sky, Death of Superman, and World Without a Superman. Um, I was going to bring Return, but I couldn't fit it into my bag. Um, I got a couple of signatures on those. Her, Roger Stern, and Bob McLeod. Uh, he, she said that she absolutely loved working on those books. I actually even mentioned that I've been going back through that era because of From Crisis to Crisis. So, Mike, I, pub, I, I, I did mention your podcast. I don't know. Maybe she'd listen to it. Um, and then I handed her, and then after that, she said, you know, she it was a really fun time and what have you. And after... after uh, Mentioning that, I handed her three of the new Titans issues that she did back in, uh, I was like, 93, right around the time of, of, of Doomsday, uh, that were fill-ins for Marv Wolfman. And Phil Jimenez had the artwork chores on that. And it's gorgeous, gorgeous uh, artwork. And it's a really, really cool story. And she kind of looked at me and she's like, wow, I forgot I did these. That kind of made my day because she honestly seemed pleased to sign them. And I think uh, she was like the third creator I had talked to. Um, yeah, she was the third creator I had talked to. And after that, I felt... I ended up feeling a lot more at ease in talking to some people, where I'd been a little shy around the first two. So, if you're new to a Comic-Con, and Louise Simonson is going, and you're kind of nervous about talking to creators, if you have something of hers, go and talk to her first. She was very nice, and just kind of, alright, yeah, okay, I can do this. Um, my biggest get, by the way, was Larry Hama. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of people who have stuff he signed, uh, but this guy is responsible for quite a huge amount of my childhood, and while I know he's been writing uh, the Real American Hero, G.I. Joe comic again, I made sure that I dug up two very, very important vintage G.I. Joe issues. Uh, one was G.I. Joe number 55, which was the cover, which was Unmaskings. Um, it's the one where Cobra Commander Destro and, and Snake Eyes are taking their masks off on the cover. Uh, which was the first G.I. Joe comic I think I ever bought with my own money. The other is issue 61. Uh, that was the beginning of that great storyline where Stalker, Snowjob, and Quick Kick wind up being captured behind enemy lines and have to be saved by uh, eventually by Snake Eyes, Storm Shadow, Scarlet, and a few other people. Uh, that was the first issue I bought and then started buying continuously, and I only collected that book for the better part of about six months when I was about ten years old. But again... It left a huge impression on me. Um, <clears throat> and that cover, by the way, both covers, but the, the 61 cover is an awesome Mike Zek cover. If I ever ha- meet him, I'm having him sign it because I freaking love it. Um, 
I probably gushed a little too much about G.I. Joe and how important to me was it was as a kid. And I think he appreciated it, or maybe he at least appreciated it. I only had a couple of things for him to sign. I didn't have a huge portfolio to hand him because he seemed to have like a whole stack of them. And he was, before he got to me and another guy, he was complaining about how people were giving portfolios but not putting their names on them. <laughs> so, um, so I guess, you know, I'm kind of the relief there. It's like, oh, two comics and a page in, the, in a book. Yeah, I'll sign this. And he goes, thank you, sir. And I, and I moved on. Now, uh, shopping, because those are the creators. Shopping. Um, I did pretty well. I filled a bunch of holes in my Titans collection uh, because I'm missing a lot of the issues from right around Final Crisis. Uh, this is because I stopped buying comics for a year or two, uh, mainly because of Final Crisis. I was sick of spending my money on the stuff that was just like um, the Titans stuff wasn't really turning me on, and Final Crisis just drove me nuts. So I, I, I stopped buying, but then I came back eventually. And uh, then I dropped the Titans altogether after the new 52 started because I just, I, I looked at it and I'm like, I can't do this. I mean, what did you do to this this book that I loved? I, I'm, I'm well on my way to having the full run of that, of the Teen Titans series. Um, I was, however, shut out in my efforts to finish my complete run of the NOM, which was kind of one of the reasons I was going to this show. I have every issue up until about 78, plus two of the trades from the 80s. I probably need to replace my copy of 41 because it's, it's pretty decrepit. <clears throat> but, you know, I got most of those at my LCS for cover price in the back issue bins. He just happened to have them. He's like, yeah, I'll just give him your cover price. So I buy like a year's worth at a time. But once I got up to those higher end issues, uh, it was it was hard. To, they've become more harder and harder to find. And I don't know if... Um, you know, I, I, I know that the print run kind of probably decreased toward the end there. Uh, with series like that, that tends to happen. I don't know if I couldn't find it at the comic convention because I wasn't looking hard enough, or I was getting impatient, or they really are that hard to f- track down. Um, you know, I'm just going to say it's a little bit of all of that. Um, because they do tend to be harder to find, even on eBay. And I've rarely seen some of those last issues go for less than 10 bucks a pop. And uh, the other thing I was looking for uh, was the Tales of the Teen Titans series, uh, which starting with issue 60, which was the reprints of the Baxter series. And <laughs> their reprints of a Baxter series and, and you know, and their, re- their reprint issues that nobody really, really gives a crap about, except for Titans completists like me, and therefore nobody has them. <laughs> Um, I mean, I bought all of the issues my LCS had. I still need a good 10 or 15 to complete my run. Again, kind of getting knocked around and and trying to find my way through different stuff. Um, You know, I was only able to find so much. I did have uh, Batman 400 in my hands, which is a comic I've always wanted to read. But it was 20, it was in great condition, it was in mint condition, but it was 25 bucks. And I was like, I don't want to pay $25 for this comic. I know I'm a cheapskate, but... I went on eBay. I haven't bought anything, but I went on eBay and I saw that for like six or seven bucks plus shipping, I can get, which comes to about ten, I can get it even if it's not in the best condition. Because, like I said, I want to read it. But overall, aside from that, I was pretty satisfied with what I did fine. I have to say, you know, half of the problem was, like I said, I was getting impatient or it was it, what have you. It was uh, I was anticipating a crowd and I saw the crowd when I, you know, got in line, but. I think I got a little overwhelmed at times. Um, it does get hard to patiently flip through dollar bins. 
uh, when there are just dozens of people for elbowing for room and trying to get here and there. Had I had more time, I might have gone back to my car, dropped stuff off, and then came back, but it wasn't the case. So I did kind of feel rushed after a while. By the way, if you're a comics retailer and you're at a convention, organize your bins. Um, the one place that I dropped the most money at and I bought like they were a do- it was a dollar bin place and it was like I think I bought like 30 bucks worth of stuff all for a dollar this huge stack of comics everything was alphabetized and it was so and it was just it was all alphabetized um, some of the boxes were harder to find because you had to dig through people as opposed to comics but I'd go to like places where like yeah like five for a dollar I was like ooh and I couldn't make heads or tails of whatever the hell was in there and I didn't have the time to sit there and go through everything especially when there were a million people around so Ah, oh, it was driving me nuts. But um, maybe it's just my my own hang-up here. But then again, you know, it's I'm not that much of a back-issue hound anymore. I mean, I was a back-issue hound when I was in high school, and I was first collecting comics, and maybe when I was in college, especially when it comes to, like, uh, Titans books, because, you know, that's the one thing where I am, like, a completist about. And I, 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 I'm hitting that point where I've got most of the books... Um, I'm doing the reprint ones. I might start doing like ancillary appearances. Like I know that they have like an issue of Action Comics they were in, and maybe it depends on what I feel like you know doing. Because I, I see myself more as a reader than a collector. And so if it exists in trade, and I don't have to buy the original issues, I'll buy them. The only problem is that um, with some things I've waited for the trade, and it's like the reason I still haven't finished reading Blackest Night. Because I wait, I'm like, oh, I'll wait for the trade, and then other things come along, and I'm like, oh, I'd rather read this, and you know. So eventually, I am gonna get all the trades of Blackest Night. I have like one of them, and I'll, I'll read them, and, and I'll read them from Rebirth to all the way to the end of Blackest Night, and skip Brightest Day, and just kind of wash my hands of Green Lantern, and like, because I'm like, I've come this far, I want to finish this the story, even if I do pretty know what happens. Speaking of trades, though, I got some sweet deals on a couple of trades. Um, I would have bought Black Knight if I saw it on a discount, but I couldn't find it. Um, one booth did have marked all have all their trades marked half off, uh, and I got a couple there. I got the Showcase Teen Titans Volume One, which is cool. I've never really read a lot of Teen Titans stuff from the early '60s, so that's going to be kind of, kind of fun. Um, and I got the third part of Thy Kingdom Come from Justice Society of America. I have the first part, so I have to find the second part. There was another place that was selling them at. Six dollars a piece, or two for ten. So uh, I went and got Invasion because I was uh, because I saw that and and I was like, oh, I remember how cool this was. And if it's only going to cost me five bucks at this particular place, I'm going to go ahead and, and get it. And three of the other books that I picked up were the Encyclopedia of Comic Book Heroes books. Uh, they're not the original printings, obviously. They're the reprints that DC put back out a couple of years ago. My LCS has them for full price, and I've seen the Wonder Woman one in the cheap bins there where they're selling it for about maybe uh, 3 or $4. I got all three of them, though, um, at that, you know, uh, for like, it was like, Three of them are like two for twenty, two for ten, a third. So basically, for about fifteen bucks for all three, which is probably the price of one of them alone retail. Um, I've been flipping through the Batman, the Superman one, and, and a little bit of the Wonder Woman one over the past few few weeks, and it's been really, really fun. Uh, especially to read some of the details of some of the more goofy Golden Age stories and stuff like that. 
Um, <clears throat> especially ones I've never really seen or heard of. Uh, and again, it's a, it's, it's a reminder of how fun superheroes can be. Um, something I've really, really become attuned to, especially over the last years having a, having a kid and having a five-year-old who loves superheroes and loves superhero toys. And I, I love fun comics. Um, so that's why I'm very picky in what I read. But this was a lot of fun. I ended up leaving at about 1.30 because uh, I was meeting my friends for lunch. Uh, when I, I actually, bringing that Jose Luis Garcia Lopez t-shirt uh, that I was going to have him sign but didn't was a good idea because between the fact that it was crowded between and the fact that uh, it was 92 degrees outside and it was just still a lot of people, I was disgusting by the time I got back to the car. And now I kind of know where Confunk comes from. It's like, you know, if I'm going to do that much walking around, next time I'm actually going to bring a stick of deodorant with me. Um, and so I uh, changed. I went to the Abbey Burger Bar, which wasn't too far away and was very, very worth it. I had a very good bison burger with some blue cheese on it. It was so good. Um, they had an elk burger. My wife's had elk before, and she's like, you really, really should have tried it. So I think if I'm ever there again or I see elk on a menu, I'm going to try that too. Um, anyway, uh, while I was there, actually, the bar, I ran into somebody, uh, a Phoenix cosplayer, who happened to have lunch. She kind of said, hey, I like your shirt. And I said, oh, I like yours. And we talked a little bit about the, uh, the, the crowded, how, how fun the con was, how crowded it was. And, and uh, so that was pretty cool. And my friends, you know, my, my friends were there, and uh, they're not the type of geeks that I am. You know, um, usually when we get together, we talk movies, we talk sports, um, you know, they're the um the most geeky they get is my friend Drew is a huge huge Star Wars uh a fan. I remember playing Star Wars Trivial Pursuit with him once in college and I think I don't remember who won, but whoever won was the person who didn't get a question. Like the loser got the first question wrong because we basically ran the table on each other. So um but but other than that, um it was really great to see the guys. Uh because you know I only get to see them a couple of times each year how living you know, a little further away. I did mean to go back, but the weather wasn't looking so good as I was uh, sitting there watching uh, UVA, the UVA Penn State game, and um, and saw like the thunderstorm warnings and stuff. And, and I'm glad, actually glad I left when I did. I didn't go back for another because I was going to go back for like another hour or so. And I'm glad I left when I did because as I was driving toward Washington, uh, my wife called me to tell me that Northern Virginia was actually under tornado watch. And so I, I drove over the Wilson Bridge. And normally I wouldn't take the Beltway going back into Northern Virginia. I'd cut through D.C., but there was a, nat, uh, a Nationals game going on. And so it's like, well, I want to avoid stadium traffic. So I'm going over the Wilson Bridge, and I hit what had to be one of the most apocalyptic thunderstorms I've ever driven through. I mean, shit started to swirl around me, and the rain uh, just was this deluge. I mean, I, I made it all the way over the right lane. I saw where I wanted to get off in Route 1 in Alexandria, which is right, I mean, a little further down from where I used to live, but I'm very familiar with that area, and uh, may just hit hit it south and uh, stopped at the Krispy Kreme. <laughs> because when you need to make a pit stop, <laughs> you stop at the Krispy Kreme. It was either that or Five Guys, and they already had a burger. So um, I'm at the Krispy Kreme, and I bought coffee and donuts, um, and I got my son a paper hat, <laughs> which he loved. It is kind of funny, because I had intended to see if I could find any toys or shirts that he might want, but um, I couldn't find anything in the toys that wasn't like a total collectible or wasn't like a lot of money or wasn't you know wasn't halfway interesting i mean 
even 30 years later, the Imper the Rebel transport from The Empire Strikes Back looks like a boring-ass toy. And I had that thing as a kid, and it was a boring-ass toy. But, um, but, you know, some of the DC Universe figures and stuff, it's like 25 bucks. And I'm like, nah, you know what? Um, I'll go to Target and buy him, uh, you know, a, a Superman figure, or, or a Thor, or Captain America, or, or just some Hot Wheels. But, um, you know, uh, and I couldn't get really... There's the the Tower of T-Shirts, which was literally just this huge. It was a great landmark if you were trying to figure out where you were on the con- convention floor map. Um, I couldn't get near the thing long enough to figure out if I wanted to buy a T-Shirt. And, and I think next time around I am. I'm going to go with a T-Shirt plan because I saw a few that I was like, oh, that's a cool shirt. Um, for, for, you know, him, myself, and um, maybe my wife, although she's nowhere near into comics, you know. Um, but, uh, and 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 appre- but appreciates my 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 geekery. Anyway, uh, I had a lot of fun, and I really can't wait till next year. I'm even toying with the idea of doing uh, the New York Comic Con sometime in the future, uh, depending on how you know how this goes over the next couple of years. And uh, that would be easy because my parents live on Long Island, so it'd be a a late train ride after everything was over. But um, I'd 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 do that over a weekend. I don't know, maybe. Uh, but I've rambled on long enough. I think we're at the... Uh, oh, God, we're, we're, we're probably going to close in an hour here. Um, I do have to say, though, I really enjoyed doing this episode. Um, I Like I said, I, I came out with Taking Flight about five weeks ago uh, and have really enjoyed doing that podcast. And this is something I've always wanted to do. So uh, I'll be back next month with something completely different and completely random. Um, and until then, check out popcultureaffidavit.com every week. Like I said, I I do a short or sometimes long essay on something random in popular culture. And also check out Taking Flight. It's a podcast about Robin and Nightwing. As of my recording, this episode 5 just posted, and that is the issues directly after the Judas contract. So I'm moving into, in fact, the episode I'm going to record sometime over the course of the next couple of, over the next week or so, is going to be the post-crisis origin of Jason Todd. So uh, go ahead and check that that out. That's at takingflight.podomatic.com. Pop Culture Affidavit, again, is at popcultureaffidavit.com. And if you're uh, interested, you want to give me some feedback, um, I'd always love it. I, if I get emails, I might actually, I'll probably read them on the air. Uh, that would be popcultureaffidavit at gmail.com. Uh, once again, I'm Tom Panneries. Thanks for listening, and have a great night. Oh, 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 oh.